On this episode of Mike Drop Dallas, we're talking stars, we're talking Mavericks, and we're going to take you behind the scenes with the Mavericks NBA G League team, the Texas Legends. It's season four, episode seven. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to Mike Drop Dallas, everybody, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, along with Sports Commission Executive Director Monica Paul, along with our on-air producer, Next Level Marcus Carr. Before we get to our guest, Monica, what's coming up at the uh, Sports Commission? Of course, Dallas is the number one city in America for sports business, according to the Sports Business Journal. So I know you've always got a lot going on. What's happening? Well, we've got the BMW Dallas Marathon coming up this weekend. Uh, always, I think, going to hit record record attendance is what we're anticipating uh, there. But a uh, great time at the expo at the at the convention center, and then uh, uh, should have lots of people uh, downtown. So you can still uh, register to to participate. Um, we've got an upcoming site visit with the NCAA um, staff on our uh, uh, NCAA regionals that will be taking place, which is men's basketball in, in March. Um, and right now, just uh, really hoping to, to end the year and uh, prepare for a successful uh, 2024. We're going to start off the year and have an announcement in here soon about a uh, sports Business Journal uh, event, one that we're partnering with Sports Business Journal and SMU uh, over at the Bush Center on, on January 23rd to really celebrate our number one uh, sports uh, business city um, title as uh, Sports Business Journal will be coming out with some new rankings in March. Uh, hopefully we're still at the top of that, but uh, we really hadn't had time uh, to celebrate our number one sports business city title. So uh, having our entire uh, sports community here in the DFW area really gather together and participate, it should be pretty special. Now, that, that'll be a great event. It's it's really good to put a spotlight for the community. It was a national story. Uh, and, as, and now we want to push it also as a local story about Dallas being the number one uh, city in America to conduct sports business. So, all right, lots going on as always. We're back in a moment to talk Mavericks and NBA G League legends with a very close friend of mine, Terry <laughs> Sullivan. First, over to Rachel. Get ready, sports fans. This fall is stacked with events right here in the Big D. From food sport to football, the number one sports business city has something for everyone. Head to DallasSports.org to sign up for access to exclusive ticket announcements, discounts, and pre-sales to be part of the next big win. Thanks, Rachel. And now, really happy to welcome Dallas Mavericks Director of Player Personnel and Texas Legends General Manager Terry Sullivan and Mike Drop Dallas. He is in his 14th season with the Mavericks, second as Director of Player Personnel. But this season, Terry has taken on additional responsibilities as the GM of the Mavericks affiliate in the NBA G League, that is the Texas Legends, who play at the Comerica Center in Frisco. I have known Terry literally since the moment of his birth. He is a basketball lifer, and after watching me, his old man, do PR for the Mavericks for several years, he boldly decided to pursue the basketball side of the business and has done so uh, very successfully and effectively. In fact, in his first season with the Mavericks, Monica, 2010-11, he was part of a world championship team. Now, I worked for the Mavericks for 18 years, 
In those 18 years, we've made the playoffs six times, conference finals once. 18 years. Terry's there 15 minutes and he's got a championship ring. But I want everybody to know I'm not bitter uh, at all. So, Terry, thanks for joining us here on Mike Drop Dallas. Thanks, Sully. Thanks, Monica. Big fan of the show. Thanks for having me. Well, Terry, we're going to have to get into some uh, really good uh, Sully Senior, I think, is uh, what, what we call him now um stories later on down the oh, road oh man so, really glad to have you on the mic drop appreciate it um, looking forward to it so terry uh tell some of our listeners uh or walk us through how the mavericks relationship with the legends works in terms of how how the roster is constructed and how players go back and forth between the le- the legends and the mavericks Sure. So, so we're, we're known as the affiliate of, of the Mavs. And so the, the main, the main type of roster spot that Mavs fans will know is a two-way contract. And so there's three of those this year for the first time it was two, now there's three. So for the Mavs, it's Dexter Dennis, uh, Greg Brown from, from the university of Texas and uh, uh, sorry, Dexter Dennis, Greg Brown and AJ Lawson, who was on the team last year. And uh, so those are guys that are kind of hybrid roster spots that can go back and forth between the Mavs and the Legends really easily. Currently, they're all on assignment with the Legends because Doc, I would thankfully the Mavs have had really good health and and they're it's it's a more of a benefit to them to develop with the Legends than to sit on the Mavs bench if they're not getting playing time. So it's kind of a a good situation for for both groups. There's also Exhibit Ten contracts, and most of those are guys that come to training camp with the Mavs, comp- compete for a roster spot. In the event that they don't make the the Mavs, they get sent to the Legends uh, to develop further with, within the Mavs system, just on the Texas Legends. So um, there's there's a few few different you know mechanisms to have players kind of filtering back and forth between the teams, um, and it's my job and, and our coaching staff's job to make sure that the the developmental priority the priorities of the Mavs are being met with this team, uh, both on and off the court, kind of helping these guys grow and mature, uh, and then obviously get better on the court as well. So, Terry, from a legend's perspective, is it more about the development of the players or does the win-loss column matter as, as well? The top priority is the development, but it's a great question. Now, now that I'm in it every day, of course, once the game starts, of course you want to win. We're competitive. Our coaching staff's competitive. They prepare really hard. The players are, are super competitive. They they all want to prove that they belong in, in the NBA. Uh, so I'll, I'll say the top priority is development, but, but of course, at the end of the day, you want to compete and we, and our, the fans up in Frisco are great. So we really take pride in, in putting out a competitive, entertaining product for them as well. So <clears throat> I'm one that, te- that usually has to juggle a lot of balls and, uh, go in a lot of different directions. So <clears throat> with you running the basketball side of the legends, while also continuing to scout and weigh in on, uh, personnel matters for the Mavericks. How do you make that schedule work? Still a work in progress, still figuring out the the best use of my time, but uh, it's been great so far. You know, the Mavs group is so supportive uh, and it's kind of been allowing me to have a, a flexible schedule. You know, right now uh, I'm, I'm doing this from the American Airlines Center. We got Mavs uh, morning shoot around here, and then I'm going to hop on a flight and join the Legends for their road game tonight. So I'm, I'm making it work, trying to, you know, obviously most of my time is with the Legends, making sure the day-to-day management of the team is going well, but as often as possible, I check back in with the Mavs. And for example, we just had a uh, had a road trip with the Legends, uh, went to two different cities. And then right before Thanksgiving, I had an opportunity to go scout for the Mavs on assignment up in Kansas City. So it was a good trip to um, both 
help run the legends and then also do some scouting responsibilities with the Mavs along the way too, and stay plugged into our scouting process. And that way I can help support Nico Harrison and Michael Finley when it comes time for the trade deadline and, and uh, draft and free agency and, and all that stuff to help uh, construct the Mavs roster. Monica, you know, you can tell that Terry is the son of a, you know, comms person knowing his audience. He mentioned that, Greg Brown is a Texas Longhorn and he knowing his audience, he did yeah. not mention that Dexter Dennis played his final season of college yeah. ball at, at Texas A&M. So that was, that was, I'm sure that we have not discussed this in advance, but I, I'm pretty sure that was on purpose because, you know, start with your knowing your audience. So Ter, uh, as you know, we recently had a really fun family outing. I don't know how many people the the night after Thanksgiving uh, took in my first legends game. The fan experience was tremendous Major props to Malcolm Farmer and the, and the team on the on the business and marketing side. It was really fun, uh, and uh, you know, bounce house for the kids and it's affordable family stuff and other stuff for kids to do. Uh, but the basketball product was really good too. On the court, you had uh, you had you know Michael Carter Williams, one time NBA Rookie of the Year, playing for Mexico City. You had Trey Burke, ex Maverick, playing for Mexico City. Of course, the Mavs, you know, two-way players you mentioned. Uh, The players and dancers, some of them come back out on the court to sign autographs. I know the legends are really involved in the community. There's that element, too. In fact, we got to put a plug in, Monica. December 9th, Legends Toy Drive. Bring an unwrapped toy and get a free ticket. So go up to uh, Frisco to the Comerica Center, everybody. It's fun. But for as great as that fan experience is, which is important, the entertainment value, let's talk about the on-court uh, experience. What do you, how, how do you, now that you've been into it for a while on a day-to-day basis, how do you assess the quality of play in the, in the G league? It's very high level. We, we really believe it's the second best league in the world. Um, and it, it, you have guys that it, it's been really eye-opening to see how much talent is out there. There are so many players that are just as talented as the guys, uh, you know, in, in the NBA on their, on the end of the rosters, but for whatever re- reason, are just kind of waiting for that one break or they've been in the league and now they're kind of hovering on, on the edge trying to get back in, or there, you know, maybe there was some injury, bad luck. There, there's a reason um, some of these guys haven't made it, but it's not talent. And so when they get into these, these atmospheres where they're playing against each other, it, it's, it's amazing to see. And they're all, like I said, they're all competing. They're all, uh, they all desperately want to get back to the NBA or get there for the first time. Uh, so no, the, the, the quality of play is, is really high. And you, you also factor in that, um, you know, so the Mavs a couple of weeks ago assigned Omax Prosper to the Legends. So we had him for a game and he's a first round pick. You know, we, we faced uh, Jet Howard with the Orlando Magic, who was a lottery pick for them, is, is with their G League team right now. So you're seeing really high level, talented, five star level guys that are in these G League games. Uh, and it's fantastic. And the and the other part of that, too, is the um, I think the coaching and the management uh, with NBA teams taking this more seriously as a true one to one uh, affiliate system, you're getting the influx of talent of of coaches and and management as well that are are bringing their NBA philosophies and values to the G League and helping implement them on the court. And so the product has really uh, improved, I think, over the last several years. You mentioned, Monica, that you know, the from a development standpoint, you're running the Mavericks offense, doing everything like the Mavericks would do, and you're working with a young a young head coach, Jordan Sears, uh, 27 years old, I believe. Uh, had worked uh, in the Milwaukee Bucks video room, worked with the Mavericks video room. Uh, 
really an impressive young coach. I mean, I've gotten to know him a little bit and really have been impressed with him and, and watching him in action in the game I attended. Talk about about the, the how how important or the part of your mission is, that's working with Jordan and his staff uh, to help develop them as well. Again, potentially to help the Mavericks down the road. Absolutely, it's it's uh, you know it starts with being approachable and available and, and constant communication, checking in, you know, daily. Uh, sometimes after games, I've learned that the role of the GM is to, especially after a tough loss, sometimes you just got to sit there and listen to the coach and, and, and just kind of hear what he, you know, see what he's uh, going through and hear what he's, what he's seeing out there and, and uh, just be a support system. You know, obviously it, it helped um, support him by getting good players on the court, getting guys that, that fit a system that, uh, even though it is obviously the top priority is the development of potential Mavs players. There is a part of it where you have to put um, you have to put more established players around them to be able to put out a, a real team. It would be great to just put 10 raw guy, projects out there that have all this upside, but you got to have some some guys that can play now as well. So hopefully we did a decent job of, of putting that together to, to help Coach Sears in his first year uh, hit the ground running. And he's doing great so far. You're right. He's a very impressive guy, very bright, hard worker. Um, as most guys coming from the video room are, you know, really has seen everything, has been around some great coaches uh, and is doing a fantastic job. Uh, and we we really do value um, developing him and his staff, hopefully for potential opportunities, whether it's with the Mavs or another NBA team. I mean, that would be the best compliment our program could receive is if our current staffers move up within the G League and then possibly get to the NBA or or coach overseas or whatever their goals are. Uh, that's really what it's all about, too, in addition to developing the players. You mentioned the, the video room. Where, that's where you got your start uh, after, uh, you know, and I didn't mention in the introduction just how you did pay your dues. Uh, so maybe say a word about your start as a, uh, you know, at, at Providence uh, as we get into this final question for me. Uh, the video room has produced so many from, whether it's Eric Spolstra, the, the, the uh, highly successful uh, head coach of the of the Miami Heat. So many people have come from the video room. That's where you got your start. I know one season in the video room is like seven years in people time, but what is it about that that experience in the video room that has produced so many NBA uh, successful coaches and executives? That's a great question. It it uh, it allows a young, hungry professional to get their hands on just about every part of of the basketball operations, uh, strategy and game planning and front office, if that's your interest, uh, you're, you're, you're the first ones there in the morning and you're the last ones to leave. And it's kind of a cliche in a lot of jobs, but it's true. The video guys are expected to, to be there around the clock and be available. Um, so you're supporting the coaching staff, you're supporting the players, you're watching every team around the league in preparation for games. So just through, <laughs> through osmosis, you pick up what, what every team's running around the league, who the best players are around the, the league. You have to watch the, the blowout games. So you see who's at the end of an NBA bench that uh, may have a bright future that just isn't getting the opportunity right now. Um, it, it's really, I would recommend it for any, uh, any young person trying to, trying to break into really any sport. I only, I only know basketball intimately, but I'm sure every sport that's kind of the way to get your foot in the door, especially for uh for for people that didn't play, sometimes it's harder to set yourself apart uh, and prove that that uh, you know that you know what you're talking about. So no, it's a it's a great way to get your foot in the door. And yeah, so my uh, you know I kind of I had a few different ideas on what I wanted to do in college. I was a pre med biology major and 
uh, kind of realized maybe that wasn't for me late in my career at college at Providence and senior year got to start volunteering for the for the men's basketball team at, at Providence under Tim Welsh and it was a fantastic opportunity just just breaking down film and learning on the go and learning how the software worked uh, and getting to watch all the film of our Big East opponents uh, and then that led to a to a Division three coaching opportunity at Catholic U in DC uh, and then again volunteer position. Uh, and then that, I was lucky enough to get a position in the Clippers video room, uh, also volunteer. That's the other thing you gotta, you know, pay your dues and, you know, you may not get paid for a while. Definitely not a lot whenever you do get paid, but it's totally worth it to, uh, you know, to work in a field you really enjoy. It's very rewarding. And Monica, Terry was once uh, kicked off the Stairmaster in the Clippers locker room. So Lady Gaga could use it before a, a concert uh, at, <laughs> at the then Staples Center that night. So you never know what's going to happen when you're a, in turn, uh, you know, finding your way in your career. Well, I was going to ask Terry, I'm like, he's got to have some sort of good, uh, Sully stories, uh, out there that Ooh. he could share. And if, uh, if, if he's ever going to let you like, uh, maybe wear the, that championship ring. Cause I do feel like there's still a lot of bitterness there. Uh, <laughs> Sully senior. I think we're going to continue to call you Sully senior now. <laughs> Oh man. oh man the the ring is ours as far as i'm concerned it's for it's for the whole family so uh man I'm trying to think of a good a good story uh, you earned it you earned it tara i i <laughs> didn't but 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 thank you uh but uh you know not not necessarily a specific story but just to brag on them a little bit it's been really cool since some of our our work paths have have crossed here over the last few years with with his continued work uh with kevin sullivan communications uh, we, we know a lot of the same people in a business relationship and it's great. Anytime I, you know, I, we, we try not to, we don't often, you know, advertise our relationships, but every, once I get to know somebody else, say, Hey, you know, if you know my dad, Kevin Sullivan, and they light up and it's this, well, Oh my gosh, your dad's the greatest guy. Uh, so, uh, it's, uh, it's really cool kind of, kind of <laughs> having a, a, a relate, you know, a Venn diagram of a professional relationship here. It's, it's been great. Well, Terry, thank you for joining us. Definitely want to have you, you back at some point. Good luck with uh, the legends. Uh, and we'll definitely uh, keep track of what's going on, uh, either by coming to a game and watching ourselves or, or through your dad. So um, thanks for joining us and have a great holiday season. Absolutely. Thanks, Monica. Really appreciate you guys having me. And uh, next, we're back uh, to talk stars. But first, over to Rachel for more. Get ready, sports fans. This fall is stacked with events right here in the Big D. From food sport to football, the number one sports business city has something for everyone. Head to dallasports.org to sign up for access to exclusive ticket announcements, discounts, and pre-sales to be part of the next big win. Thanks, Rachel. Now we're pleased to welcome back to Mike Drop Dallas for his second visit, Bruce Levine. He's the Stars radio host for pregame, intermission reports, and postgame shows on the ticket. You want to learn something about hockey? Listen to Bruce Levine. 25 years of broadcast experience. Longtime Dale Hansen era producer at Channel <laughs> 8. All around great guy. Welcome back, Bruce. Sully, I am just thrilled to have earned a second appearance on this show. You know, this, this is sort of like the Johnny Carson of podcasts. Do I get to come sit on the couch or do I just have to go off and sling into oblivion? I'm glad I made it to the couch. You made it to the couch and, you know, your next visit will put you in that rarefied Mike Reiner, Mark Folliwell. I don't know. We have any other three timers, Marcus. Uh, that's where you get the bathrobe, you know, like Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin on Saturday Night Live. So 
or a certificate from Monica or something. So, but thank you for coming back. All right. So we're, we're at about the quarter pole of, of the season for the, for the stars. How do you assess the, uh, the season so far? Okay. First of all, Sully, I'm going to correct you. We're at the three quarter pole because the quarter pole means we have a quarter left of the horse race. So we're at the three quarter pole. (laughs) (laughs) The folks at Lone Star Park are going to love you. I I was mixing my metaphors. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Well, again, because I, I love Lone Star Park so much, I wanted to make sure that I had that right. So I can go back and see them again. Uh, you know what? The season, it, it's a it's a mixed bag right now. Uh, the Stars have a good record, which is great. They're in second place. They, they've played fantastic, you know, as far as the end result is concerned. Can this team get better? Absolutely. And that that's the thing is if you looked at this last homestand where the Stars played five games, they – lost leads in the third period in three of the five games. So that's one of the things where you look at and go, well, the Stars have a really good record and they're playing well, but there's room for improvement. Now, a couple of years ago, the Stars have this record this early in the season. You're doing cartwheels and you're not criticizing a thing because the team is playing well. But after last year's performance and last year's run to the Western Conference Final, the bar is set a little bit higher and the critiques are going to be a little bit stronger because the expectations are higher. Well, what's the uh, line from uh, Spider-Man with great power comes great expectations or something like that? What did Uncle Ben say? Responsibility. Yeah, great responsibility. Yeah, I I keep getting that wrong. But yeah, that's what the Dallas Stars are dealing with right now. They have great responsibility because people expect them to win and go far in the playoffs. So anything that appears to be a blip in the radar, like losing third period leads, gets looked at a little more strongly right now. But the bottom line is the team has got off to a fast start. They're in a playoff position come American Thanksgiving. Now it's time to get onto the grind. Matt Duchesne was the big offseason acquisition. Has he lived up to uh, your expectations? Actually, he's lived beyond my expectations. Uh, Matt Duchesne was bought out from Nashville. The Stars got him for a paltry $3 million a year. Now, this is a guy who in 2009 was the third player taken overall in the NHL draft. This is a guy who's always had an abundance of talent. He was a gold medal winner in 2014 with Team Canada, but he has never been on a team that has seriously been considered a contender for a Stanley Cup. So how's he going to fit in? Is it a one-year deal? How's he going to be in the room? Is he going to be a guy that, you know, is looking for points so he can get his big his big contract at the end of the year, you know, when he becomes a free agent again? He has been fantastic in the room, on the ice, uh, with uh, Tyler Sagan and Mason Martin. Some nights they're the star's best line and just his ability to carry the puck and carry the play and create in the offensive zone has been an absolute thrill for Dallas Stars fans and a huge bonus to the team because, you know, we've seen Jason Robertson and Rope Hintz and Joe Pavelski's line get a lot of coverage, get a lot of people focusing on stopping that line. Well, if you want to put all your focus on stopping that line, well, now you thought Matthew Shane's line and you have a line that's just as good. So he has been above what has been expected. You just hope it keeps going. Seems like Pete DeBoer, head coach Pete DeBoer, has given uh, Jake Ottinger a, a night off a little more regularly than in the past. Uh, Wedgwood, Scott Wedgwood, has largely stepped up and, and met the challenge, it seems. How do you assess the goaltending situation? I know Ottinger had a little knee surgery in the offseason. Maybe that's why the extra rest. How do you assess goaltending? Well, the big thing is you're looking big picture, not small picture here, Sully. The Stars don't want Jake Ottinger playing close to 60 regular season games again this year because the hope is that he's going to have a long playoff run to go. 
You know, he played spectacularly two years ago in that seven-game series against Calgary. He played very well in the first series last year against Minnesota, and then it sort of tailed off. He had he had an ankle injury that no one knew about. He had surgery. He had eight weeks of rehab before he'd get back on the ice. So he was battling something last year during the postseason. So what the Stars' plan is that you want Ottinger to play close to 50, let Wedgwood play close to 32 games, and then have Ottinger fresh for the postseason. So far, the plan has worked well. Jake has had a couple of nights where, you know, he's battled the puck, which happens to anybody during the course of the season. But for the most part, it's really the long-term plan of can you get your goaltenders playing to where, one, it doesn't affect the team, and Wedgwood has been very good when he's come in. But two, most importantly, when you get to the postseason, is Jake Ottinger going to be 100% ready to go? And that's what the Stars are hoping for with this plan of paring down uh, a little bit of his time. You know, it's sort of a less is more approach with Jake Ottinger. And so far it's worked. So how, uh, how good can this team really be? Uh, uh, what should we expect there towards the end of the season? Well, I don't think the team you're going to see now, Monica, is the team you're going to see at the end of the season. Everybody makes tweaks. Everybody makes changes. You look at you look at the Texas Rangers, who, from what I hear, had a very good season this year. It was, it was hard to miss. Uh, they in the middle. Of the, look in the middle of the season. They addressed. They said, you know what? We've got a good team, but we need better pitching. And they went out and they got Montgomery and and uh, Chapman and upgraded. I think what you're going to see with the Dallas Stars is a patient yet proactive approach in the fact that they know they have a good team, they have a very good core, but what tweaks need to be made to make this a championship caliber team? Now, a lot of things have to go right. You have to have you know fewer injuries. You have to get on a roll in the postseason. You can't have mistakes happen or, or, or things that don't creep up during the season creep up in the postseason. But I think what Jim Mill is going to do is take a very measured approach and say, okay, as we get closer to the trade deadline, what can we upgrade? What needs to be stronger? And then make those moves. So for the Dallas Stars, the expectation is the Western Conference Finals or another long playoff run. But I expect this team somewhere around late January, early February, to start assessing where can we make this team better? You think about when the Dallas Stars won the Stanley Cup, you know, they added guys like Mike Keane and Brian Scrudlin and, and, and Guy Carboneau over the course of years where you weren't looking for the next Mike Madano. You were looking for the puzzle piece that put you over the top. I expect the Stars to do that same exact approach going forward as the season rolls on. So, Bruce, the, the, the Stars just recently announced Mike Madonna would be getting a statue outside the, the AAC there with uh, Dirk. Um, can you talk about why this matters and really what Madonna means to uh, our uh, Stars fans? Well, it matters on a number of levels. First of all, if you got to think way, way back to 1993 when the Stars first came here, who was the face of the franchise? Who was the person that was out there? And before anybody knew anything the general public knew about hockey, Mike Madonna was the guy they were told to watch. Watch this guy. He's special. He's different. He's going to be the guy that leads this team going forward. And he really was the face of the franchise. And when you think about what Mike Madano, first of all, he, he has more points than any American born hockey player in history. That alone is spectacular. He's in the hockey hall of fame, the U S hockey hall of fame, the Dallas stars hall of fame. And he brought a Stanley cup championship here. I mean, the stars don't win the cup without Mike Madano. And not only was it the scoring, but the sacrifices he made to be a better defensive player to help Dallas win that cup. Look, Mike Madano is the face of the franchise as a player. Now, whatever happened after he retired, everything else, 
does not take away what he meant to this organization and this team when he was playing for the Dallas Stars. And you also got to remember back then, you know, hockey was a lot tougher and meaner and nastier. And what he was able to do night after night with a target on his back, not to mention sticks and skates and, and glove punched hands. I mean, he played in an era where you were literally allowed just to beat up the other team's best player, you know, to try to stop him from scoring. Mike Madonna persevered. And he got this team to the promised land. And when you look at the greats of the Dallas Stars, the list begins with Mike Madano and everybody else comes in after him. So our very own Marcus Carr attended his first Stars game last season. Um, and knowing Marcus, he had a very great time. So I'm, I'm sure <laughs> if he if he hasn't been to a game already this season, he'll be he'll be attending one uh, and probably many. Uh, but Bruce, what guidance would you give first timers, those who've never been to a, a professional hockey uh, game? What should they focus on to really heighten their uh, enjoyment of, of the game? Okay, first and foremost, watch the puck. Don't be don't be talking to your friend or something when the puck's in play. Pucks tend to fly out of the ice occasionally. I don't want you not focused on what might happen. It's like it's like the person at the baseball game is talking to his buddy as the foul ball was flying right back at him. Uh, the, the biggest thing I could say about the hockey about hockey is you don't have to know all the rules at first. I mean, it helps to know what offsides and icing are. I would start with that. Learn those rules. But watch the flow of the game. Watch the way the puck moves. Watch, you know, keep your eye on the puck. And then as you get to know the game more, widen your focus out to see how formations happen, how plays develop. You know, the, the easiest thing, I used to say the easiest thing, and I, I've worked in some weird hockey markets. I mean, Lafayette, Louisiana, and Little Rock, Arkansas are some strange hockey markets. The, the easiest thing to explain to people were goals and fights. You know, those are the two things that people that universally people know. Now, hockey doesn't fight as much anymore, but keep your eye on the puck and look for the goals. Those are the easiest things to figure out. So instead of fighting, I'd say watch for goals, watch for great saves, and then widen your focus out to learn more about the game and the rules. But the biggest thing is have fun and yell a lot. It's a fun sport. It's nonstop action. Enjoy the moment. You don't have to be a savant. All you have to do is be a fan. That is uh that is good advice, Bruce. And and I think our listeners can tell your command of the subject matter is incredible. I, you're really fun to listen to. You use your personality in the right spots. I I really do enjoy whether it's driving home for a game or, or on those uh you know intermission visits to the restroom at American Airlines Center where you're piped in there giving your intermission report. Uh, I always learn something when I listen to you. So I got to ask you, what is your routine for how you prepare? Uh, for each broadcast, the games come fast. I'm sure you don't have uh, the luxury of, of uh, hours and hours of time to put into it. How do you prepare for each each uh, broadcast on the ticket? First of all, I want to commend the AAC on having tremendous acoustics in the bathroom. We <laughs> we sound fantastic in the restrooms, both men and women. I've heard that that boy, you sound awesome in the bathroom. So I want to thank the AAC for making us sound good in the bathrooms. Uh, you know, it depends, Sully. It depends on what's going on for the game. Uh, you know, some games we have an hour-long pregame show. And that is the one where you have to delve in and look at things like who's hot on the other team, who's hot on the Dallas Stars, what trends are going on with the team. Like, for example, I talked early in the show about, well, the team has blown third-period leads in three of the last five games. That's a talking point. Who's hot? Who's not? 
Why are they hot? Why are they not? You, you talked about Matt Duchesne. Well, why is Matt Duchesne fit in well with the line mates? You know, so a lot of things, you know, because I do a lot of analysis, a lot of it is I like to talk to the players. I want to hear what they're talking about, what their perspective is. You know, why Johnston, I haven't been able to use this on the air yet, but how is it that you are so good with your backhand in front of the net? And he told me a story about when he was in Peewee's, his coach made everyone take backhanders from four feet out because he said that was the hardest shot to stop. I want everybody being good at it. Well, he's gone from being a Peewee and now he's dangling NHL goaltenders with something he learned, you know, 15 years ago back in the ponds. So there are things like that that you like to get, uh, you know, for, for other teams, what do you look for for the other teams? What are their tendencies? Are they hot? Are they not? Who are their players to watch for? And then you look at past history between these. If they've played before, what is the history? You know, is there anything, for example, Dallas played Vegas in this last homestand. It was 1-1 going into overtime. The game they played previously in Vegas was 2-2 going in overtime. Why are we playing with two teams that are so known for picking it up and putting it down? Why are we getting low-scoring games that go to overtime when these two teams play? Why aren't we getting 5-5 or you know high-scoring games and the answer is because they are so concerned about playing the other team there's structure involved they're going to play their structured game they're going to they don't want to get into a horse race with each other so it, it really comes down to that and then of course you have all these notes and then once the game starts sully it's what are you seeing you know what are you noticing what are you seeing we're, we're so high up at the aac hockey is an easy game to watch from 100 feet up it really is you can see everything you can see the lanes develop who's not back checking you know how plays develop I've always said hockey is an easy game to watch, but a tough game to play. And the lower you are, the faster the game is and the harder it is to decipher. So it's just really a matter of making your notes, making your preparation. And then when the game starts, pay attention to what's going on. Also great advice. And and thanks for, for joining us and coming back. We will definitely have you back on. Uh, I, I, I just, I love your passion and just how, how, uh, you know, you've played a, you've played a part without any question in Dallas becoming such a great hockey town. And uh, congratulations on that and just continued success for your work at the at the ticket. So thanks for, for coming back on, Bruce. Thank you, Sully. And by the way, I still have the coffee mug you gave me as a present from the Mavericks the day I left to go do minor league hockey. The day I left Channel 8 to go do hockey, you gave me a present. I still have the Mavericks mug. Thank you. We should have given you something better than a coffee mug. So maybe we could do a makeup call uh, down at the AAC some night. So so thanks, Bruce. On behalf of Monica uh, and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to Terry Sullivan and Bruce Levine for joining us this week. Thanks to the Mike Drop production team, Next Level Marcus Carr, Merrick's Doc Gooden of Tony Fay PR, Alex Gilbert over at the Sports Commission, our showrunner, Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.